Father in heaven, thank you for this time that we have to study together. Thank you for seeing us all safely through another week. Thank you, Lord, for preserving our health. Thank you for your watch care upon us. And as now we're coming to study your word, we ask for a double portion of your spirit to lead us, to empower us, to fill our hearts and minds, to help us to understand these words that we're about to look at. And more than anything else, Lord, speak to our hearts so personally that we might understand how to apply this truth to our hearts this evening. Thank you for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our key text has been in Hebrews 11 this whole time, and we've been on this text for a few weeks already. It is Hebrews 11 and verse 32. The Bible says, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail, to of, fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. And so this is our last study this evening. Samuel is the last character that we are reading in all these studies and this chapter really. It is the prophet Samuel. Now, he's quite a famous character in the Bible. His mother is quite famous as well. But before we get into actually his story, we got to take a look at the background of Samuel. His mom, Hannah, the dad, Elkanah, and Hannah, she was a barren woman. She was not able to give birth for many, many, many years. And this is probably the reason why Elkanah went and married another woman and so that he could make sure that his seed and his name continued in the genealogy of his family history tree. And um, that, of course, brought problems in and of itself. And Hannah was pressured even more for the fact that another woman in the family could have the kid and she couldn't. And so when they came to Jerusalem during the feast time, she ran off and she prayed and she was weeping to the Lord, asking for God to give her a son. And she made this vow in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 11. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And so Hannah, she wasn't just praying any prayer. She was making a vow. She was making a promise to God that if he would hold up his end of the bargain and bless her with a son, she would give him to the Lord. He would be someone who would serve in the temple of God. And so she's praying this prayer and she's learned to bring the sorrows to God and she's learning to... to, to bring all the griefs and the burdens to the Lord instead of putting it upon man. And here she makes his vow, and guess what happens? Of course we know. 1 Samuel 1.20 Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. God answers her prayer. And of course, now it's her turn to hold up to her end of the bargain. We read now in chapter, chapter 1 
and verse 24. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord, as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. You know, Samuel was not alone in uh, um, being a man of great faith. His mother was a woman of great faith. She held up to her end of the bargain, the vow that she vowed to the Lord. You know, sometimes it's easy to, to try to pull out of the promises that we make to the Lord, isn't it, friends? But Hannah, it wasn't so. She was true. And, and to help us to put into perspective how difficult it might been have been, remember, Samuel was her first child. And in fact, it was her only child. And here she is. She made this vow that somebody might even consider rash. She says, if you give me the son, I'm going to give him to you. Well, what good is that? You're not going to be with a son in your home, right? But she went through with her vow and the, her only son at this time, someone who she wanted so much to keep by her side, she still followed through and brought Samuel to the temple when he was weaned so that he could serve God. Now, how old was Samuel when he was weaned? Today, when children are weaned from the mother's breast, it's usually probably about one year old or even sometimes less. Why? Mothers want to go back to work um, for different other reasons. But today, mothers, they like to wean their children earlier and earlier. But in the Old Testament times and the times that we're looking at in the Bible here, um, they suggest anywhere from three up to five years old that the child would only then be weaned. And so, you know, let's take the upper limit, five years old. It would be at the age of five that Hannah would bring her son to the sanctuary and leave him there and saying, son, you're staying here now. You're going to serve God. I have three children and two of them are older than five years old. I can't imagine any of my children, oldest being nine years old right now, even then being left in the church and saying, okay, someone else is going to take care of you. You're going to serve God. But you know what, friends? It was the training that Samuel received from Hannah at the time he opened his eyes, to the time that he was born, Hannah was training him and reminding him, not just herself, but him, that God had given him to her, that he was not hers, but she had a responsibility to fill, to train him for the Lord's service. Friends, do you recognize the calling that God has placed upon your life? Do you understand, parents, the importance of how to train your children to serve God? I know that I'm lacking that respect, but I have to remind myself that the children that God has given to me, they are lent to us only for a short time to see how we would deal with God's property, in a sense, His children. 
and how we ought to train them up for service to the Lord. But Hannah, she was a woman of prayer. And so at the age of three to five, let's take five years old, Samuel would be left in the care of Eli the priest. He was the one that heard her prayer at the very beginning and thought that she was drunk. But then years later, she comes back and reminds him, not only did God answer my prayer, but now I'm following through with my end of the bargain. And so she leaves her child Samuel there. And let's continue. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. As we study about the child Samuel, the story of Samuel really is intertwined, not only with his mother on the, the beginning here that we're seeing, of course, but especially with the aged priest, Eli. But notice what the Bible says here. It said that there was no open vision. And so what does that mean? It means that God was not communicating with the children of Israel. And the only reason why God would not communicate with His children, the ones whom He had brought out from the land of Egypt, the ones whom He had delivered with a mighty hand and wrought so many miracles, the only reason why He would not be communicating with the children of Israel is because they have done evil. They've been wicked. And even in the house of Eli, we are going to see this. There was no open vision. God was not communicating to any prophets. Eli being the priest, the high priest, God even then was not communicating with him. How old was Samuel at this point? Notice, I want you to understand, he is not five years old anymore, okay? It's been quite a few years. How long? Well, let's try to determine this. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 20 to 21. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went unto their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Samuel must have been about at least from the ages of 10 to 12 years old at this time when we come to Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3, where the Bible is saying there was no open vision and he wasn't communicating with the children of Israel. Samuel must have been about 10 to 12 years old. Why? Samuel is left at the, the sanctuary at the age of around five years old and God blesses Hannah with another five children. And let's say they just do it back to back. God gives them back to back, but one year to conceive. So he's probably about 11, 12 years old at this time when we are reading 1 Samuel chapter 3, okay? So if we say 5, at this point in chapter 3, he's about 11 or 12, maybe 13, 14 years old around there. But certainly not an old man or a youth in terms of 20 plus yet. So God comes to talk with Samuel one night. Let's go to 1 Samuel 3, 4 and 5. The Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. 
lie down again. And he went and lay. He thinks, he thinks that Eli is calling him. Three times God calls him and three times he runs over to Eli thinking, here I am, Eli, what's up? What's going on? I'm here. I'm ready to serve. What did you want? It's the middle of the night. Eli was an old man. He needed help at this time. So Samuel, always on the alert, ran over. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Let's continue. Verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was a word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Now this verse is very interesting. Notice, it's not that Samuel didn't know the Lord in a sense that he didn't know who he was, um, but he didn't know him from the, from the sense that God had never spoken to him directly. And so that's why when God spoke, he thought it was the voice of Eli and he came running. And so when it says that the word of the Lord was not yet revealed to him, it's not because Samuel never read the, the scrolls of the prophets. Oh, certainly the mum would have opened up the Bible, the scriptures to him. But Samuel did not know the word of the Lord. It was not yet revealed to him. It's because God had not told him, Samuel, I want you to say this. Samuel, I want you to say that. I want you to speak this. He had not yet been called to the role of a prophet. I just want to pause here for a moment and ask, parents, have you ever considered that the reason why God gave you a miraculous birth, maybe. Maybe some of you have gone through some trauma and almost lost your baby. Or maybe you just haven't been able to have kids for years and years and years and finally God gives you a child. Did you ever think that that child God gave you was to fulfill the role of a prophet or a prophetess one day? And then not only did you have to raise them healthy and strong and feed them and put clothes in their back, but you had to train them in such a way that at such a young age, they'll be ready for the Lord to speak to them. Friends, although we're looking at the faith of Samuel, it really is the faith of Hannah that stands out amongst anything else. That from one home, from one mother, the training of one woman upon her son would yield such a great blessing to a whole nation. As parents, I believe that many of us have much to come up higher in, in not just taking care of our children and providing for them from money to food to shelter to clothes and all these things and trying to make their life happy, but trying to prepare their lives in service to God. And so as we're studying the faith of Samuel, we owe much to the faith of Hannah. So Samuel, he, he had been reading the Bible. He'd had the Bible read to him. I'm sure that he was doing his personal devotion. And so when the, the Bible says that he did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord revealed to him, it's because God at that point, had not yet spoken directly to Samuel and called into the role of a prophet to speak his word. But now he is. Now God is about to call Samuel. And let's continue reading. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. 
And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Eli knew by this time that it was God that was talking to this boy Samuel. And what a rebuke it must have been to Eli, who is the aged priest, the judge of Israel. And it must have been a slap in the face to Eli that God was bypassing this man of God coming down to talk to a child. But Eli, he had tender affections for this boy Samuel. And he told him, the next time the voice comes and calls your name, you answer, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Let's continue. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then answered Samuel, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli, all things which I have spoken concerning his house, when I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice, nor offering forever. The, the reason why God came to speak to Samuel was because he was telling him, I'm about to judge Eli and his family. Well, why was his house being judged? Why such a straight rebuke? It was because of his sons, their wickedness, their vile behavior. Well, what was going on? What had the sons done? 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 12 to 17. Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial, they knew not the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was in seething with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand, and he struck it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. So they did in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came thither. Also before they burned the fat, the priest's servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh to, to thee but roar. And if any man said unto him, Let them not fail to burn the fat presently, then take as much as thy soul desireth. Then he would answer him, Nay, but thou shalt give it to me now, and if not, I will take it by force. This is talking about Eli's sons. Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. One of the sins of Eli's sons was they would take the fat and they would take raw meat and they would eat it. It was forbidden. The fat represented sin. They were meant to cut it off and burn it away. It was something that they were not to touch. And yet Eli's sons, who were priests, naturally because the father was the high priest, they were serving in the sanctuary, in the temple of God, and they despised holy things. 
And so this was first reason why God was bringing judgment upon Eli and upon Eli's sons. Second, chapter 2, verses 22 to 24. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel and how they lay with the woman that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people, nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. So not only did his sons take that meat and eat it raw, the, the flesh with the blood, and not only did they eat the fat, these things that were, that were forbidden by God, especially in the temple service, they would sleep with women that came to sacrifice. They committed fornication. One was in related to diet, the other one was lust of the flesh. And even though Eli knew all these things, yes, it seems like he rebuked them a bit. He scolded them, but yet he did not do anything about it. Eli knew. He absolutely knew. That's why we read in verse 13 of Samuel chapter 3, 1 Samuel 3, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. You know, we have a tale of two types of parents. Hannah, being the faithful mother, able to train her child from a young age, even at the age of five, to be able to leave him behind, to serve him in the temple. The faith of Hannah speaks volumes to the sort of man that Samuel would become. And then we see the priest and judge of Israel, Eli, neglectful father. You know, this, this was probably more a lesson for me and a reminder. You know, we see many times pastor's kids, they go off the tracks. It's not always because the pastor, the, the, the dad is being bad, but sometimes he can get so busy that he neglects to train his children. And so the little time that he has as a father with his children or any person who is working long hours to provide for their kids and then come home and they only have one hour with the children, it will be difficult to restrain them and and to bring the rod upon them if they're being bad, you know. But yet, Eli, he had no excuse. Because not only was he in there as a judge and a priest, he worked with his sons. He knew what was happening with his children. And Eli was a neglectful father. He was neglectful. Maybe he was afraid to talk to them, or, or maybe he's just being too lenient, thinking that, uh, maybe they'll grow out of it. As they get older, you know, they'll get better. You know, these sorts of things. Young people, all of them do it. And, and maybe he was just hoping for the best that his sons would change without him having to bear down too hard on them. Maybe he was praying earnestly, hoping God would just change their heart and convert them, not realizing that the role of the father was much needed in correcting his children. Look, Eli's sons were definitely older than Samuel. You had to be at least the age of 25 to serve in the temple. Of course, Samuel 
was a special case. He did not serve as a priest, but there were little duties for him to do throughout the sanctuary. But to serve in the, in the sacrifices, you had to be at least of the age of 25 at that time to serve in the temple. And so they were doing all these wicked things to the point that people abhorred even coming to church in a sense to bring their offerings and their sacrifices, and even maybe to this point, to allow their wives or their daughters to even go with them to worship God. And so the sons had done much damage to God's reputation and the sanctuary services that had been instituted. If Eli were to be a faithful father, if he truly was to step in as a role of a judge and not just a father, what should he have done? Deuteronomy tells us this in chapter 22 and verse 22. If a man be found lying with a woman married to an husband, then they shall both of them die, both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shalt thou put away evil from Israel. You know, what should Eli have done? He should have judged his sons. He should have pulled him out by the ear and says, this is the judgment of God, harsh as it may have been. He was the judge. And because he didn't, there was no open vision from God. This is the reason why God bypassed the aged man, Eli, and went and spoke to Samuel. But not just that. He went and told him the message of judgment. Eli, high priest, judge, for how long? 1 Samuel 4, 18, and he, Eli, had judged Israel for 40 years. He was a man in authority, in leadership, and yet he was too afraid. Or maybe because he just loved his sons. He had this filial love that just warped his whole understanding of what responsibility was all about for his sons that he chose his sons above God. And we've got to be so careful with that, friends. You know, sometimes we can get too lenient and uh, we think that, oh, I don't want to spank my child, I don't want to scold them, I don't want to punish them. And we feel bad and our heart hurts and we see them cry, you know, it just breaks the mother's heart. But friends, we've got to be too careful that we don't put our children above God. Because one day, the training that they receive in the early years, it will tell in the future. It will come out in the future. The sons of Eli did not become wicked overnight. It was because of all the neglect from the dad. From the dad. This sounds like pretty bad parenting, isn't it? And it's true. It really reminds us and teaches us a lot about the importance of being parents. And when we don't rebuke the sins of our children, their sins are placed upon our shoulders and God holds us accountable as parents. You know, Eli was a religious man though. He loved God. It's not that he hated God. No, it's just that he happened to love his sons more than he loved Jesus. And look, how do we know that? In 1 Samuel chapter 4, the Philistines would come and fight against the children of Israel. And um, 
the two sons would, would, would bring the ark into the camp of the Israelites because they, they were facing dire straits, they were losing. And so they brought the, the ark of the covenant because God had fought for them in the past, you see. And so the Israelites shouted with a great triumph as if they'd already won the battle, but they ended up losing. And not only did his two sons die, but the Ark of the Covenant was taken by the Philistines as well. And look at how Eli responds to this news. 1 Samuel 4, 17-18 And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines, and there hath been a great slaughter among the people, and thy two sons also, Hopni and Phinehas, are dead, and the Ark of God is taken. And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell off from off the back of the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck brake and he died for he was an old man and heavy and he had judged Israel 40 years. You know, it wasn't when he heard that his sons were dead that he fell back. He, he was expecting it. But it's when he heard that the Ark of the Covenant had been taken, it was then that he fell back and he broke his neck and he died. He loved God. Yes, he loved God, but even though he didn't react to the news of his sons and he didn't weep or fall back and die, he reacted to the Ark of the Covenant. He still placed his sons above God in not restraining them and training them and judging them ultimately. Israel would not have come to the situation and there would have been no need for Samuel because Eli would have been the faithful judge that God would have communicated directly. And you know, friends, that, that's the thing. Sometimes, you know, we, we think about our devotion and we're praying and we're fasting, we're doing this 40 days of prayer. God still will not do for us what He's left for us to do. I'm not saying that Eli was not a religious man, that he didn't pray or he didn't spend time reading the Bible but he still left it in his hands to correct his sons. It wasn't for God to do it. And when God finally did it, Eli was expecting it. But he had no repentance. He didn't change. Even after the message from Samuel. Let's keep reading, shall we? Well, before we move on in 1 Samuel, pardon me, you know, I... I want to I want to show you something when it comes to um, what we need to do in the times that we're living in and the lesson that we're even learning from not just Samuel but even Eli. And this really, this text has been the tenor of my ministry. It's found in Ezekiel 33 verses 8 and 9. For those that know me very well, you, you, you know that this is the text that God has placed upon my heart. Ezekiel 33 verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, when I say to the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Notice in these two verses, the person who is in sin he, both times he dies in his iniquity. But the difference is the first time we don't speak out. And so his blood is on our shoulders. The second time we do speak out and we've delivered our own soul. 
And this is what Eli should have done. Not only was he in a position to speak out, and yeah, he kind of warned his sons, but he never acted upon it. He was in position, he had the authority to do more than just speak to his sons. Now, am I saying that we're not going to see Eli in heaven? I don't know. That, that We leave it for God to decide, right? It seems that way, but you know, friends, what we are seeing here is we got to learn to be brave enough to do what God wants us to do irrespective of family ties. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. When we are too afraid to do what God wants us to do because of our children or our spouse or some family member, we're putting that family member above God. God needs to give us the courage to learn to walk out in faith and do that which is right. And we may give all the excuses that we can in the world, but friends, there will be just that in the day of judgment when God comes to you and asks you, why did you not do this? Why did you not say this? You had the authority. You had the opportunity. And we'll be labeled as neglectful parents, just like Eli. But now let's continue in the story, shall we? 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 15. God has already told Samuel what he needs to tell, well, the message that he has for Eli and what he's going to do to the house of Eli. And Samuel, he lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And, and Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. You know, if, if anyone should have been afraid, it should have been Samuel because he was a young boy. This was his father figure who had taken care of him for the past six, seven, eight, nine years. We don't know exactly. And this was a judgment, a straight message against Eli and his whole family. And Samuel was afraid. He went about doing his work. God didn't say, uh, I want you to go and tell Eli. But what happens? Six, verse 16. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here am I. And he said, what is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every wit, and hid nothing from him. And he, Eli, said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. How difficult it must have been for Samuel to relate this message to the aged priest and father figure, Eli. But really, this is the role of the prophet, friends. If you're the mouthpiece of God, if God puts His word into your mouth, you got to tell the truth. And even sometimes you might lose a friend or two or ten. You might lose, be at the peril of losing your life, losing your health, making more enemies. But Samuel, he learned from a young age to tell all the truth and nothing but the truth. And he started here, right in the home. And it was really here that God has made it clear that he's called Samuel to the role of a prophet. And you know, friends, this really would be the defining mark of Samuel's ministry as a prophet. Look at what the Bible says. Verse 19, Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan 
even to Bathsheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. This was even while Eli was yet alive. But God had bypassed Eli because of his neglectful work of a father and allowed wickedness to come into the camp. And he went and called a young boy at the age of 12, 13, to the role of the prophet. You know, the Bible says that none of Samuel's words fell to the ground. Every word was useful for the Lord. Why? Because God would put his word into Samuel's mouth and Samuel would be faithful to relate what God had said. You know, friends, it's not, it's not an easy thing to tell people their sins. It certainly was not easy for Samuel to tell Eli what God was going to do to his house, but yet he was faithful even to that point and communicated everything that God had told him. Now that requires courage, friends. That requires courage. That requires a relationship with God. That you would be so courageous to tell people about their sins and tell them what it is that needs to change or what's going to happen if they continue in this path. But he would be faithful in communicating every single word to Eli. This would be the defining mark of his ministry. He'd be faithful to tell the children of Israel when they asked for a, a king and they chose King Saul. Samuel would tell them, this is what's going to happen when you choose such a king. And then he'd have to be faithful to tell a king, one who was always almost on the brink of being a lunatic, doing all his own passionate things and killing anybody who he wants. He would have to tell King Saul that God has rejected you from being king. None of Samuel's words fell to the ground. And you know, friends, that's important for us to do in our age, the times that we're living in. Too often it's so easy to just turn, turn our head and, and look away and, and pretend we didn't see it. Why? Because then we don't have to do anything about it. Or too often it's too easy to just talk in the background and hope then someone else will do it instead of you. Too easy. Too often it's too easy to just walk away and not want to say anything to anybody. And we just say, oh, well, I'm just passing through or I'm not in a leadership position or, you know, that's not my department. And we like to make excuses for all sorts of things as to why we don't want to help a brother or a sister when we see them in sin. But the faith of Samuel, he was faithful to tell all that God had told him. Yes, friends, we have to be tactful. We have to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, but not to the point that we neglect our duty. Not to the point where we just allow that person to die in their sins and let them get away with it or allow wickedness to run rampant in the church or in the society or in the community or even between our friends. Too easy to just turn away and not say anything. But the faith of Samuel is a lesson for all of us today not just for a lesson for those that might one day to be called to be a prophet, but it's for all of God's children. This is the defining mark of his ministry. This is where the greatest act, really, of faith is found in his life. As a young boy, when God calls him, he learned to be faithful from the very beginning. You know, I want to end with a 
quote this evening, one of my favorite quotes. It's found in this book called Education. Page 57, paragraph 3. One of my great quotes that I love, especially for, for the topic that we're looking at this evening. The greatest want of the world is the want of men. Men who will not be bought or sold. Men who in their inmost souls are true and honest. Men who do not fear to call sin by its right name. Men whose conscience is as true to duty as the needle to the pole. Men who will stand for the right though the heavens fall. You know, this world is in great need of such men and women today. Too many of us, we, we, we run at the first sound of trouble. We get weak when God asks us to be strong to do His work. But God is seeking for those men and women who are not afraid of the consequences, whose conscience is as true to duty as the needle to the pole. And many of us, we've neglected this work. Maybe it's because we tell ourselves, hey, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I, I, my life isn't right. I'm in no position to tell anybody anything. And that's the thing, friends. Many of us, we're just struggling in our own lives and our own sins that we just don't want to touch anyone else. But friends, if Samuel at a young age was able to be faithful and to be able to communicate God's message so clearly, I know that even in these last days, God has overcome us. I know in these last days that God has people whose conscience is pure and true to Jesus Christ. You can't tell me that there's not a single person who's not an overcomer today. They can't stand up and learn to give the straight message that people need to hear. Too many of us were saying, oh God, not me, not me, I can't, I can't. You know my life, just, you know. And maybe some of it's true. Maybe you're not giving excuses. Maybe it really is. But friends, get on your knees. Ask God to forgive you. Ask Him to give you power to change. Ask Him to help you to be different so that we can be called to be burden bearers, to give a straight message, to help our brother and sister who's in sin, that we can be a part of God's work and ministry in soul saving and witnessing. There's got to be someone out there. Is there anybody out there this evening that's willing to put the world aside? All the pleasures of sin that even Moses was willing to deny himself. Just so he could be a leader in God's work. Who is it? Where are the men and women? The young men and the young women. The boys and the girls that are out there that will be faithful to God, even though the heavens fall. Their conscience is true to duty as a needle to the pole. They're pure, they're true-hearted, and they don't fear to call sin by its right name. That even though the heavens fall, they will stand for the right. I want to be such a person.
I want to be such a man for God. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to say one thing and call a brother out while I'm doing it, the same thing in the background. No, friends. But God needs His messengers today. He needs those people that are willing to stand up and be counted in His work. And it begins with a faithful life. A life of faith to God, willing to follow every word. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And man, he not he doesn't shouldn't be living by only just the bread that that sits on the table before them. But we gotta start learning to live by every word of God that comes out from his mouth. And it's written down in his word today. And only that. But as we digest that word, that word becomes power to every single one of us. Because the just will live by faith in what? In his word. In the gospel. So friends, if we are learning to commune with God, if we're learning to walk and talk with Jesus, as we are learning to study His Word, as we are becoming men and women of prayer, God will give us victory. He'll help us to be overcomers. And then He will empower us as He empowered Samuel to do His work. Friends, I want to be that man. How about you this evening? I pray that your desire is the same as mine and hope that you join me in prayer that as we ask God to help us, that not only will He begin to empower us, but that we will step forward, we'll give Him our best effort and that as we work, He will work with us. Salvation by cooperation. And that God at the end of it, will be glorified. Let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, Lord, I want to thank you so much for giving us this example of Samuel at such a young age who is faithful to you. Faithful. That you were able to call him to the role of the prophet, O oh Lord. I pray that you'd please be with all of us here. Many of us, well beyond that age, but yet you're still willing to work through us. So Father, please help us to be more like Jesus. Help us to be more like Samuel. Bless us so that we can be a blessing to all those around us, Lord. We need you more than ever, Lord. We can't do it by ourselves. We can only play church for so long before the wickedness comes out in us. We don't want to be like Eli's sons, Lord. We don't want to be in church and yet still lost. We want to be true and truly and thoroughly converted and to be men and women of power, of faith, and sons and daughters of God. Lord, please help us. Strengthen us through every temptation. Give us victory in Jesus. And at the end of it, Lord, Help us to stand for the right, even though the heavens fall. And guide us to that end. This is our earnest plea and prayer and our desire. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.